We're back into Ephesians chapter 3 today as we take a look at God's design for your life. Next on Truth For Today. It's absolutely staggering to think of what is available to us if we will but simply trust. What you can have if you trust God. Hi and welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Ephesians chapter 3 is where we're at. Four things God wants for you specifically is what we're looking at over the course of our next two programs. Plan on joining us. Oh, and by the way, save the date. We have a great one for you. June 4th, 430 to 730 at Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Great food, fellowship, testimonies, Ron Walters, and you're at the heart of it all. It's our Truth for today, listener celebration, and you're invited. Saturday, June 4th, 4.30 to 7.30. More information at the close of our time together. But for now, here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast of Truth For Today as we take a look at the four things that God wants for you. We come to the first half of the epistle, the conclusion And Paul prays again for the believer. He prayed for them in chapter 1, and now he prays for them here. It's kind of bringing a climax to the first half of the book. That is, you, you have to revel in the first half of the book because it's telling you everything God has done for you in Christ. Now, chapters 4 through 6, get ready. He's going to tell you what you can do for him. He's going to tell you how to live out the salvation in this world. Oh, you're in Christ. You're up there. You're blessed. It's wonderful. And Paul now is going to pray this kind of a crescendo prayer. And he includes in it four things he wants God to do for you. His prayer becomes God's purpose for your life. He didn't just pray this. He prayed in the will of God. So his prayer is God's purpose for you. And we want to look at the four things. Uh, Number one, he's going to pray for them. I bow my knee before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth, chapter 3, verse 14, uh, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit, in your inner being. First thing he prays for, God's purpose for you, is that you may, and we want to take this word experience. Uh, He wants it now, all the wonderful theology to become an experience. Every believer has the Holy Spirit, but not every believer is experiencing the dynamic power that he has available for us. So he says, I am praying that you might experience the power of God at work in your inner man. That's his prayer. And then it's a parallel phrase in the Greek. And they're really equal. The one, if the one's going on, the other will be going on. But for the sake of points and to help you understand, his second request is that, notice that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith 
So secondly, he wants you to experience the presence of Christ in your heart, in the core of your being. He goes on, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Now in my PowerPoint notes, I just caught it just now. We went over them. He's really the third point is, I want you to experience the infinite, ultimately unknowable depths of the love of God in your being. I want you to experience how great, how infinite, how immeasurable God's love is, and then I want you to experience the love of Christ for you. It's not talking about your love for Christ, it's his love for you. So thirdly, I want you to experience the love of God, the unsurpassable, beyond limits, infinite love of God that has been directed towards you in salvation. Fourthly, he prays, I want you to experience being filled up with the fullness of God. And when that happens, this will produce what is known as a mature believer, a believer filled with God, filled with all that God is for us in Jesus Christ. Now, let's take the journey and find out what this might mean for you. Uh, he wants us to be experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, he's told them they're sealed with the Spirit. He's told them the Spirit has been at work in their salvation. But I think he's moving to an experiential realm. I want you to be experiencing another dynamic that's at work in your inner man, not your body, but in the inner man the hidden man of the heart, I pray that the Spirit of God is at work in you, unhindered, unquenched. He warns them about grieving the Spirit. He exhorts them to be filled with the Spirit in this epistle. But here he's saying, I pray that you will be strengthened in the inner man with a strength and a power that you easily and readily acknowledge it's the power of God at work in me. Christianity is not difficult, it's impossible. It is impossible to live the Christian life. I want you to find that out. That's why you probably need to do a whole lot of failing before you realize how many found out you can't live it. Now, that's no excuse for not living it. It just tells you your power will never make you a loving person. Come on, just admit it. You aren't. Or your personality doesn't make you a, a patient person by temperament. My favorite word to describe me in my marriage is, oh, you're acting irritable. And anymore, I just say, yes. Is that right? No. But it feels good at the moment. Uh, you're a hothead. 
by nature, maybe. Uh, you don't have any self-control. You can't control what you eat. You can't control what you look at. You can't control this. You're just a, a body out of control. You lust at anything you look at. You want this. You want, I, I, I just, I'm out of control. Well, control yourself. Are you kidding? I don't know how. I've tried 12-step. I've tried rehab. I've tried, matter of fact, I've tried a dab of religion. And they're just, I just can't get it. It drives you to another power source. There has to be a power source greater than our own strength to live the kind of life that God is going to outline for us in the next four chapters. Uh, things like this. Love your wife with a sacrificial kind of love. I don't think I've hardly met over three men in my life that semi-act like that, including me. Sacrificial love, we're just doing good to have a humane love, a civil love. Just thank God I haven't choked her. Well, no, no. No, you're not talking about a non-choke love. Come on. Uh, the police help us maintain that kind of love. He's talking about a supernatural kind of love. And man, when he said it in this culture, you've got to be kidding. Women had no worth. And you want me to sacrifice for a nobody? I mean, this culture did not know what to do with a woman, but keep her shut up. And uh, you married one woman, but you always had a mistress if you were in the Greek culture. If you're in the Jewish culture, women were to have children and behave, but they had little say. That's just an example. And all of a sudden he's telling Christian men, do this towards your wife. Do this towards your children. Oh, and Peter says, when you suffer for godliness, count it all joy like James and, and know that you get to join Christ in his sufferings. And you just say, yippee, I'm so glad I've been picked to suffer. No, no, no. You can't fake it that well. There's got to be power or we've all been called to fly and God's never given us the wings to fly. You see, it's an insult if God says, fly. If he commands me to fly, in order for me to obey it, there must be the power to fly. With God's commands is his promise, there's power. And he tells these believers, I am praying that you will be experiencing that strength that comes from the Holy Spirit in the inner man that will change your speech, will change your attitude towards family, will change your attitude in all the areas of your life, will change the way you behave about sex, a very immoral culture, and we've become just like them, so we should identify. It will change how you treat your neighbor. There is a power and a dynamic in the Christian life that cannot be explained by any power but the Spirit. And he says, I pray that you'll be experiencing this in the inner man. Now, the parallel passage, that just, it just, they're just side by side, when the Spirit is filling you and he is strengthening you, the very same time, Christ's presence will be in you. Now, watch this verse, though. This is number two. I want you to experience the presence of Christ. It's a, a little unusual. Look at here. Verse 17. 
I'm praying that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Doesn't every Christian have Christ in their heart? Didn't you pray to receive Christ and did he not come into your heart the moment you believed? You say, yes, this way. You say, no, that way. Just do a sign. If you don't know, just kind of. Christ comes in. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians 1, 27. He comes in. John 14, 20. At that day, you'll know that I'm in the Father, you in me, and me in you. Christ comes in. Why does he say and pray a prayer that he wants Christ to dwell in their hearts? He's already there. Christ is in every believer. So it seems like an unusual that Christ may dwell in your hearts. There's an interesting play on words. There's a word they use. It was called um, paraokeo, and it was used of a sojourner that was going somewhere. But this word was a word kataokeo. And it was intensified by the kata, which in Greek is an intensified preposition. And it meant, I'm praying that Christ would settle down and feel at home in your hearts. I'm praying that Christ will feel at ease being at the core of your being, that he will always feel welcomed and treated with a welcome format by you. And this is in conjunction with the Spirit. As you're filled with the Spirit, Christ is always at ease in the heart. If the Spirit is being grieved, if the Spirit is being quenched, Christ is at ill ease in us. He's in us. Someone said Christ is present in all believers. He's prominent in some. He's preeminent in few. So the idea is Christ settle down and feel at home in you. Let's ask this. Does Christ feel at home in the middle of your being? Uh, I used to speak quite a bit uh, as an itinerant speaker. So I was in all kinds of different churches and different homes. I've slept in Sunday school classrooms. I've slept upstairs in churches. I've slept in churches that scared the daylight. They didn't have hotels in the places I stayed. I just stayed in, in the church building. Nothing is as creepy as sleeping in a church building empty. <laughs> Noises all over the place. <laughs> terrible, terrible. One time I got locked out in a hallway in my shorts because the fan caught my door to the evangelist quarters and I got up, it was taking an afternoon nap got up to use the restroom. The fan caught the door, slammed. I was locked in the CE unit in my underwear. <laughs> Having no way to get back in. It, it made the papers. Evangelist runs in his underwear up and down CE quarters. Do you, I, I finally found a pair of pants in a closet and climbed back up. So what do they call it? It's terrible. <laughs> my, my, my new book will be out on this soon. Adventures in faith and stupidity. I'll tell you what feeling at home is all about. Uh, when, when you go to someone's house, is it their furniture that makes you feel at home? Whoo, the ambiance. I feel at home. Whoo, don't put your feet there. Who don't put your cup there. 
Well, don't touch that. We just polished it. That's why you want to keep junky furniture for some of your friends. Just, you know, move out the good stuff when you know they're coming. Just put out the stuff they tore up. But, you know, furniture doesn't make me feel welcome. Matter of fact, the menu will not make you feel welcome. Proverbs says, don't eat a stingy man's food. Have you ever sat down to a meal that you didn't really feel the host and hostess wanted you there? And no matter how great the food was, you had indigestion. Because you weren't, you know what makes you feel welcome? It's the people in the house. I don't care if it's cornbread and beans and potatoes and sliced tomatoes. I wish I was having it for lunch. It's bringing back memories. Uh, if the people there are friendly, they make you feel welcome. It's a relational thing to feel welcome. You, and, and some, I've been in some homes. I couldn't wait to get away. I stayed at this one pastor's home one time. They had five cats and I couldn't eat the food because all the cat hair. So I gave up. I felt welcome. I just couldn't take it. I thought I was eating a cat's tail there. So. You need to go to some of the places I've been to. But I'll tell you what makes you feel welcome is um, the host and hostess. I, I had an aunt and uncle that if my aunt and uncle had a dollar for every meal they served other people, they, they could have a, well, a good sum of money. And she was a great cook. There's no question about that. But incredible hospitality. Uh, it's a lost art, you know. Most folks say, man, we want fellowship with you. Meet you at the restaurant. And as you yell over all the conversations, you say, wow, it's good not hearing you. <laughs> but to make Christ feel at home is the idea of the way you treat him. And there's there's one key he gives you what makes him feel at home through faith. When you are acting towards God in an attitude of faith and trust, Christ feels at home in you because your attitude of faith and that word could be trust. While you're trusting him, the spirit is free to give you his strength. And Christ is free to make you feel his presence. And two things goes on in the heart of the believer. When you're trusting and obeying, when you're really relying on him, there's two telltale signs. I sense a dynamic strength, not my own. And I sense a presence of the risen Christ in my heart. And when unbelief and non-trust and non-faith kick in, I start to worry. I start to complain. Uh, I start to uh, uh, manage everything myself. I'm not relying. I'm not trusting. You'll sense the absence of the Spirit's power and you'll sense the absence of Christ's presence because they both go together. And one thing makes them feel at home, trusting him. It's through faith. You see, God's grace for you is conditioned on trust. There's no grace for no trust, even for the child of God. There's many conditional grace promises. One that goes this way. If you humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, he will lift you up. There's no grace to lift you up if there is no condition met called humility. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he'll lift you up. I don't feel lifted up. I'm always pushed down. You're probably too proud for him to elevate. 
Or you hear a James passage, a draw nigh to him, or uh, he that humbles himself, he gives more grace. There is never future grace for you if there's not present tense trust. Tomorrow won't be better if you're not trusting. Let me give you another conditional promise. Uh, all things work together for the good of those who gripe. All things work together for the good of complainers. That is not true. Even if you're a believer, if you're a murmurer, make your funeral arrangements because God seems to kill a lot of them. At least he did in the wilderness. There is not everything working together for good of the critic, complainer, murmurer, whiners to those who are actively loving him. You can be assured while you're loving everything in your life is being worked for your good. You can actively, now God has worked good for us in spite of ourselves or none of us would be saved. But the conditional thing in the ongoing development of the believer and our maturity is I must actively be engaged in believing him, trusting him. The just man continuously lives by his faith. The Christian life is a life of trusting God to empower me in the inner man for Christ to feel at home in the inner man. And the condition is I must be trusting and the immediate consequences of it is this result. I will be planted or rooted in love for love is the soil that faith always grows in and I will be established or built upon a life of love. Now get this, I want you to follow I want you to be strengthened by the spirit in the inner man. I want Christ to be made to feel at home and settle down in you. How? Through faith, an active trust on your part. That's the condition. What is the immediate consequences? You will be established, rooted, grounded, in the love of God, because Galatians says faith works through love. You always know when someone's walking by faith, they're loving. Faith is always manifested in Galatians by love. The whole Christian life is conditioned on primarily one thing. If you'll trust God, you'll obey him. If you'll trust God, you'll do what he says. Trust is the key element. Can you trust me to do what I say? Will you trust me to believe what I've said about you? Will you believe? When you don't, I'll withdraw the power in the inner man and I'm going to withdraw the experiential sense of my divine presence. Oh, I'll still be there, but I'll be quenched. I'll be there, but I'll be hindered to do what I want to do in you. I'm there. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you, but I will not engulf you with a sense of my power and my presence. And so what I got to do, Lord, I got to walk by faith. How will I know I'm in faith? You'll be rooted and acting in love. Pastor Phil Howard here in our series, God's Design for Life. Getting a clue, an understanding, an idea of just how much God really loves us and the design that he has for your life and mine. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. And as we conclude our time together today, we're mindful of the fact that there might be those of you who would enjoy hearing this program again. 
As always, we have copies available on CD. Simply call or write to us or stop by our website. You can reach us by phone at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. Or stop by our website, truthfortodayradio.org. As you contact us, please bear in mind that we do continue this radio broadcast here on this station through the generous support of Truth For Today sustainers, folks just like you. With your dollars, as you partner with us financially, we'll provide to you, as our way of saying thanks, a quarterly newsletter, a -a once-a-year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional. It's all available for you as you partner with us financially. And speaking of, for the last 20 years, Truth For Today has been here on this radio station. It's our way of saying thank you for being a part of that ministry for the last 20 years. We would invite you to save the date and join us. June 4th, that's a Saturday, 4.30 to 7.30 here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules at the Family Life Center. It's a celebration of God's goodness to the Truth For Today ministry since 1997. I mean, that's, that's almost 20 years, right? What an amazing time we've had growing in grace. And we trust you've been blessed by this time together. If so, again, mark it on your calendar and plan on joining us. June 4th, 4.30 to 7.30 for Valley Bible Church's Family Life Center celebration of God's goodness to the Truth For Today ministry. For more information, give us a call. Our phone number, once again, is 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. 